0: Are you happy with your antiperspirant? And if you're already using a natural deodorant, are you happy with it? Rain Organica is now accepting pre-orders for our SANS vegan all natural deodorant. What makes SANS different from all the other deodorants out there? Well, it doesn't use baking soda and it doesn't use magnesium hydroxide. Oftentimes companies rely on these products or excuse me, on these ingredients for as part of the way that the deodorant protects you from odors, both baking soda and those hydroxide ingredients, raise the pH under your arms. And the problem is that for those of us who are extremely sensitive, we can't tolerate, either those hydroxide ingredients or the baking soda ingredients. And that's where SANS comes in. SANS doesn't use any ingredients that alter the pH under your arm. Instead, it relies on three techniques to protect you from odors. And those are using wetness-absorbing ingredients, such as organic arrowroot powder and organic tapioca starch. Also using antimicrobial botanical oils. Rain Organica likes to avoid coconut oil just for anybody out there with coconut allergies. So instead you'll find argan oil and olive oil. Of course, both of those are organic. They're also naturally antimicrobial. And the third way that sands helps helps keep those odors at bay is by using essential oils and for the deodorant especially you'll find blends of antimicrobial essential oils right now you can pick up lavender and this is made with organic bulgarian lavender a very true to smell lavender. Oftentimes lavender essential oils can be a bit medicinal and this one is not. It's, it's sways much more towards that pure lavender smell. And the second option is a seasonal dirty chai, essential oil blend with organic coriander, cypress, litsea cubeba and copaiba balsam to impart the antimicrobial properties into this essential oil blend. And of course, with it being dirty chai, sweet marjoram, cardamom, and coffee absolute add the final touches to this robust blend. Pre-order your sans vegan deodorant today over at rainorganica.com. Pre-orders are accepted through October 13th and we'll begin shipping October 20th. And now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to The Alchemy of Things, a podcast diving deep into topics like skincare, holistic living, and the energy that connects us all. I'm your host, Brandy Searcy, founder and formulator of Rain Organica, where you'll find skincare you can take with you anywhere. What's the difference between sunscreens and antioxidants? You've likely heard that antioxidants are photoprotective, so why aren't they classified as sunscreens? Well, we're talking about just that in today's episode. And we're gonna start out by talking about sunscreens. So what are sunscreens? Well, there are two different types of sunscreens, physical and chemical. And there's a difference in how they work to protect skin from UV rays. Physical sunscreens work by sitting on top of your skin and reflecting UV rays off your skin, which keeps those super energetic rays from penetrating through your outer dead skin layers into the living layer of the epidermis and even deeper into the dermis where they can cause damage. Do you remember Chief Brody from Jaws? Do you remember his white nose? Yup, that's a physical sunscreen. Zinc oxide and titanium dioxide are both physical sunscreens and they're also both minerals, which is why physical, sun, physical sunscreens are sometimes referred to as mineral sunscreens. And again, these ingredients are t- intended to sit on top of your skin to physically block UV rays by acting as a mirror for those rays to bounce off of. The problem with these physical sunscreens is that they leave you with a white cast again, Chief Brody's nose, for that reason, micronization, which means grinding up the zinc oxide and titanium dioxide until it's a very, very fine powder to, cre- to prevent that creation of the visible film layer, was introduced. Now, you might have seen a few claims on mineral sunscreens saying that they're non-nano or non-micronized. The concern with these micronized particles Is that they may be able to penetrate the outer layers of skin if you remember from episode one we talked about the layers of the epidermis and how only the bottom layer of the epidermis the stratum basal layer is a living viable cellular layer within the epidermis we also talked about how the outermost layer of the epidermis the stratum corneum is in fact made up of many layers of corneocytes and the number of layers varies based on which part of the body uh, you're talking about. So skin on the inside of your wrist has fewer stratum corneum layers than the skin on your forearm. And then similarly, the skin underneath your eyes has fewer stratum corneum layers than the skin on other parts of your face. In general, most of your face has fewer layers of the stratum corneum than other parts of your body. So that means that in general, most of your face is thinner skinned than elsewhere on your body now the same is also true for instance your neck um, is relatively thin you can compare that with your forearm for instance or even your calf so in these thin skin areas, concerns are greater about the ability of micronized zinc oxide and titanium dioxide penetrating the outer layers of the skin because they have to penetrate less layers in order to reach those living layers. And plus, the whole point of a physical sunscreen is to sit on top of your skin and reflect UV rays back into the environment. For that reason, even though the non-micronized or non-nano or non-nano physical sunscreens might leave you looking like a ghost, at least they're doing their job. Before we move on to talk about chemical before we move on to talk about chemical sunscreens, let's take a quick step back and look at how UV rays can damage the skin. So UV rays can damage the skin in one of two ways. So the first way is the highly energetic ray can hit DNA causing damage directly to the DNA strand. Simply enough, this is referred to as direct UV damage. The UV ray can also generate free radicals within skin cells, and these free radicals can cause DNA damage. So this is known as indirect UV damage because the UV ray itself doesn't cause the damage, but rather it generates a free radical that causes the damage. There's a great schematic of this over on today's show notes if you want to take a look at that. Chemical sunscreens react with UV rays to form free radicals and heat. Now, yes, that sounds really bad. Your cells may not be getting direct DNA damage from UV, but free radicals can cause indirect DNA damage. However, the idea is that the chemical sunscreens, just like the physical sunscreens, will sit on the surface of your skin, so those free radicals wouldn't reach your living cells, as long as that sunscreen isn't absorbed. A few common chemical sunscreens are oxybenzone, avobenzone, octisalate, octocrylene, homosalate, and octinoxate. octanosate, sorry, and rather than reacting with uv rays so now that we've talked about chemical sunscreens and with chemical sunscreens i could spend more time and talk about how some of these are banned because there is evidence that they are affecting coral reefs and there are a number of there have been a number of concerns in the past with a few chemical sunscreens and endocrine disruption specifically pava is one of those We'll probably have a conversation at a later date where we talk about both of those topics in greater detail. For right now, I want to move on and talk about how antioxidants are different than sunscreens. So for antioxidants, rather than reacting with the UV ray itself, the antioxidant destroys the free radical. Or rather, the antioxidant absorbs the free radical, offering protection from indirect DNA damage by soaking up free radicals. So while physical and chemical sunscreens are most effective when they're sitting on the surface of your skin, and they work by blocking those UV rays, as in the case with physical sunscreens, or reacting with those UV rays to form something else, like the chemical sunscreens, antioxidants protect your body from the effects of UV rays, specifically the effects of free radicals. So I mentioned earlier But I'll go ahead and say it here again. Chemical and physical sunscreens are designed to sit on the surface of your skin. That's where they're most protective for your skin. However, chemical sunscreens are often absorbed into your skin, and those nanoparticle physical sunscreens have also been shown to absorb into your skin, and that's a problem. While it's one thing for chemical sunscreens to generate free radicals when they're sitting on your skin's surface, It's definitely another thing for them to generate free radicals in your living skin layers. Multiple studies have shown that chemical sunscreens increase the amount of free radicals in skin tissue, and this is why I avoid them. Physical sunscreens are definitely a better option, at least at face value. So while physical sunscreens technically work by reflecting UV light back off your skin, I didn't mention the rest of the story. Zinc oxide and titanium dioxide can also react with UV rays, just like chemical sunscreens. And just like chemical sunscreens, these physical sunscreens can generate free radicals and other reactive oxygen species, known as ROS, when they react with UV light. And while that's fine, again, when they're on the surface of your skin, it's just not what you want going on in your living skin layers. Back in 2013, my husband used this concept of titanium dioxide generating free radicals in the presence of UV light in a manufacturing process that he was working on. Now, seeing those effects in person, we happened to both be working in the same, at the same company at the time, so it was easy for me to walk back to his lab and take a look at what was going on and seeing those effects in person, I was so appalled that I stopped wearing makeup. He got a patent out of the deal. I think he got the better end of that stick. Now, I understand stopping wearing makeup is a bit of strain, but there's no escaping titanium dioxide and other metal oxides like iron oxide in makeup. There's just not. To my knowledge, no company claims non-nano or non-micronized titanium dioxide and iron oxides in makeup. Now, I will still occasionally wear mineral lipstick, so lipstick containing titanium dioxide and iron oxides, but I have developed such an aversion to foundation, blush and eyeshadow, even eyeliner, that I just cannot bring myself to wear those anymore okay so moving back to today's topic this is just another point for using a non-nano non-micronized physical sunscreen and embracing that white film so again antioxidants and this is helping to answer the question of which one i i prefer and again here you have you of course have to make your own decision. And this is just to provide you with information so you can make the best decision for yourself. So let's talk about antioxidants. So antioxidants are kind of like a sponge. They soak up free radicals that are near them, but they can only soak up so many before they become saturated and have to be rejuvenated or like a sponge squeezed out and dried before they can soak up more free radicals. And many antioxidants help rejuvenate each other. As we've talked about before on the podcast, glutathione, which is a naturally occurring antioxidant in your body, can rejuvenate vitamin C that's been spent, and the technical word for that is oxidized, converting the dehydroasorbic acid, which is the spent vitamin C molecule, back into its antioxidant state, which is ascorbic acid, so that it can soak up more free radicals. In many antioxidants, also naturally occur within your body. Coenzyme Q10, melanin, alpha-lipoic acid, glutathione are all made by your body, and vitamins C and E are common in your food. The beauty of your body making its own antioxidants and getting antioxidants in your diet is that these antioxidants are available to help protect skin cells from free radical damage when you're out in sunlight. However, since those antioxidants can be rapidly depleted when you're bombarded with sunlight, And because antioxidants don't offer protection against direct UV damage to DNA, it's important to apply antioxidants topically and frequently when you're outdoors and also to use photoprotective clothing or a non-nano, non-micronized physical sunscreen. So why don't antioxidants have SPF ratings? Well... Antioxidants don't technically block UV rays, so you won't find a sun protection factor or SPF value listed on products that are rich in antioxidants. Antioxidants only protect from the effects of UV and don't stop UV rays from penetrating your skin. So are you gonna be reaching for the sunscreen or the antioxidants this summer? If you are looking for a great antioxidant spray that you can easily reapply throughout the day marine layer antioxidant spray by rain organica is your go-to choice so this spray contains vitamin c and it also contains a few peptides to help protect your skin from the effects of uv so these peptides work similarly along the same pathways as antioxidants to help protect your skin from the effects of UV rays, so to help protect your skin from reactive oxygen species and free radicals. One of those two peptides is known as Preventilia. The second of the two is known as juv11. There's a third peptide in this spray as well, known as telangin, which helps to soothe your skin. So this is great post-sun exposure. Cucumber hydrosol is another ingredient in this blend that helps soothe your skin post sun exposure, and rose hydrosol as well. I just couldn't stop myself. So you can find a pocket-size antioxidant spray over at Rain Organica's website, and you can also find a 2-ounce refill of the Marine Layer Antioxidant Mist on Rain Organica's site as well. So you can keep refilling your pocket mister. Those little pocket spritzers are good for roughly 50 spritzes. And the two ounce refill should last you quite some time. In case you're wondering when I might talk more about endocrine disrupting chemicals and reef safe sunscreens, and yes, there are a number of sunscreens that are endocrine disrupting. Chances are high that it will be the next episode, so two weeks from today. Over the past few weeks, I've had a number of conversations with people regarding endocrine disrupting chemicals, and this is an area that I've I feel very passionate about. Uh, if you're curious what those are, they're introduced in the episode on phthalates, and. I think with sunscreens, it's ample opportunity to, and specifically here I'm talking about chemical sunscreens, I think it's ample opportunity to dive into this matter a little deeper. And um, in addition to that, I'm planning a bonus episode around an endocrine disruptor that may be pretty common in your life and you not even think about. So, that bonus episode will be sprinkled in. So, normally this podcast is airing now every other week. Um, the endocrine disruption chemical or reef safe chemical sunscreens, if there are any, um, will hopefully be the next episode, followed a week later with the bonus episode, and then we'll return to our regularly scheduled program. If for some reason, I cannot get that episode recorded, then the next episode will be on aloe. And of course aloe being a very pertinent ingredient now that we are in summertime here in North America. So regardless of which one's next, I hope you'll jo- I hope you'll join me for that conversation and if you haven't rated the podcast yet, would you take a quick minute to do so? If you're enjoying this, I would also appreciate it if you share it with everybody you know. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye!